Always, uh, it's never an easy task, is it, to share about family and thank you for your openness today. Really appreciated that. Um, this morning, it's, it's really great to have uh, uh, just a family that's here visiting us from Adelaide, uh, Gawler. And uh, they're really good friends of mine. They're pastors uh, about six years ago. Actually, it was six years ago. They um, did a crazy thing. They went and planted a church. And uh, when I talk about planting a church, I mean they planted a church from scratch. No money, no support, just their family. And uh, today they're seeing a vibrant church uh, in the community of Gawler, just over 200 people, which is amazing. And I'll never forget the day they sat in a cafe. I was actually their pastor at the time. And they just began to share about uh, the, you know, the love that they have for the community of Gaul, and they really felt that God was calling them to plant a church. And I, I nearly jumped across the table and said, "Are you crazy? Uh, why would you want to start a church? It's so much hard work." But you know, when you love people, uh, you know, your heart just really cries out for that. And today, I'm just so proud of you both. And and so I, I'd like you both to stand, Andrew and Rachel, with their beautiful daughter Peyton. Would you just stand for us? Would you turn around? Let everybody give you a big, big hand. And thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and your commitment to that community and seeing some amazing things happen, seeing people restored, healed, and come back to wholeness and come back to Christ, which is absolutely fantastic. I was there actually on Wednesday night uh, in their home. Uh, they asked me to come and just speak into uh, not just the life of the church, but into their young adults. They have a great young adults group, and I was so proud to be a part of that, which was fantastic. Hey, in two weeks' time is Mother's Day. How many of you know that mothers are really special? Put your hand up if you... Who's got a mother? Who hasn't got a mother? You've all got a mother. We've all got mums. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our mums. I actually went to visit my mum and uh, took her shopping. Uh, That was an experience in itself. I won't tell you what happened, but it was quite an experience. And so what we'd like to do today, uh, we've got just a photo booth uh, just at the back over there and uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to ask you if you don't mind if some of you mums could go with your kids and uh, Dan and Chrissy where are they where's Dan well Dan's over here Chrissy's doing something they're going to be their professional photographers they're just going to take some photos because on Mother's Day we'd like to put a video together to see how many great mums we've got in our church is that all right Uh, I've already gone and taken my photo and uh, I hope that they're going to use it appropriately. Okay, this morning um, I, I want to talk uh, about our theme. Our theme over the last month has been about others. It's been about, we're talking about others. How can we as a church uh, influence our community or help our community. Uh, the first week, about three weeks ago, I, I spoke a message on reaching others. Are we reaching others? How do you reach your community? Sometimes it's difficult to do that. Uh, last week, Pastor Charles uh, spoke a great message on positioning to reach others. In other words, sometimes you go through things, but if you look at it from God's perspective, he places you in those situations because his goal, his aim, is for you to reach others. You know, you, God wants to position you to actually reach others. This morning, my message is the title of my message is Others Awareness, being aware of others. And so I hope and pray that this will not just inspire you, but will challenge you. We live in such a busy 
and self-focused society. And it's very evident that with all the technology, how many of you know that technology is amazing today, with all the communication technology that we have and all the social media, we still uh, have what we call a loneliness epidemic. Isn't it amazing that with all the apps and all the different media that is available to us to connect with people, one of the great epidemics in Australia is loneliness. And, you know, I I think about that and I think, how can that be? Statistics are now showing us that we're becoming the Seinfeld generation. Uh, How many of you like the show Seinfeld? It was one of my favourite shows. Actually, I I saw an episode the other day and I'm starting to look more like George as I get older. (laughs) And that is a scary thought. And my mum didn't help when I went over there because we got the lasagna and the ravioli all in one day. But the the stats are saying we're becoming like the Seinfeld culture because... Um, builders are building more one-bedroom apartments. Apparently, as we head into 2020, uh, there's more one-bedroom apartments planned because people can't live with each other. That's a scary thought. So if you're an investor, buy a one-bedroom apartment. (laughs) But to me, what a scary thought that we live in this society that is so rich, so rich and so blessed, and yet, we can't seem to actually get on with one another. And we we seem to have become more selfish and self-focused. My wife was given a Noah Webster dictionary by her grandmother, a bit of an unusual gift. But she's a word person and she loves maps, would you believe, and she loves dictionaries. One day, it's a huge, thick dictionary, and one day I was just looking through it, just not because... I had any interest in the particular words or anything, but just the volume of it. I thought, look at all these words. And I happened to come across the word self and counted all the words in that dictionary that had to do with self, and there was 113 words on self. It's sort of a reflection of our society. We live in such a rich society, and yet we are so self-absorbed in this Western culture. The reality is, and the truth is as a minister and as a pastor, is that is not just true for our community, it's true in churches. One of my greatest concerns as a church is that we don't just live in these four walls, and I've said it quite a few times, is that there's a danger when you have a building like this, and we've been on a journey, we've, this is our, I think our 10th week, and we're so blessed to be in this building, but this building is not about us. These chairs are very, very comfortable and, and I love sitting on them and I think to myself they're a lot better than the chairs we used to have when we were in our, uh, you know, going through different school auditoriums. We bought plastic chairs. I didn't read the weight count and unfortunately during services a couple of visitors that would come and sit on those chairs, on two occasions those chairs cracked and the visitors went slamming on the ground. Not a great way to welcome your visitors. Let me assure you today, if you're visiting, this chair will not fall, will not crack. But there's a danger for the church that we can actually become so self-absorbed in our own little world, in our own bubble of blessing, that we can actually forget what the purpose of why we're here. Thank God for the Anzacs. The young men that went and the young women that went weren't thinking of themselves, they were thinking of others. It's a hard thing to do today. 
but it's a reality. And so I just want to ask a couple of questions today to help us to see, are we actually others aware? Are you and am I others aware or are we so caught up in our own little world that we just think about me, myself and I? Now, I'm an only child and I was brought up to think about me, myself and I. I thank God that when I go and see my mother, even though she's 81, and boy, I think she's got louder. Uh, she is just so loud. But, you know, she, I, I, whenever she sees me, I'm the joy of her life. You know, and she makes me feel like I'm the only important person in the world. I believe that. <laughs> That's half the trouble. <laughs> but I think our culture feeds it. So let me just this morning ask you a couple of questions. Just to see how self-aware, are we self-aware, which is important to do, but are we others aware? Here's the first one. These are very practical things. Number one, if we can have it up on the screen, do you hear or do you listen? There's a big difference between hearing and listening. In a moment, I'm going to read you a passage of scripture out of Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52, about a man who was blind, and he heard that Jesus was walking in the crowd, and he was yelling out to get Jesus' attention, and everybody was telling him to shut up, because they only heard him. But Jesus stopped in the crowd and said, bring him to me, because he listened to him. And there's a huge, huge difference. Now, today, I really thank God because my wife is in kids' church. And I'm going to say something that could incriminate me later on. Now, I know that there are people that are on her side and that whenever I make a comment, somehow she finds out. So... What happens here this morning stays in this room. I don't want anybody going to tell her what I've just said. But my wife, she did it this week again. We were sitting at the kitchen table and I've positioned myself really well where she sits in front of me and I can see the TV and I can hear the TV while she's talking to me. Especially when we're watching the footy and I'm... I'm focused, I'm looking at her, but I don't actually see her. My, my peripheral vision captures what's happening in the game. And she was talking to me and she says, you're not listening to me, are you? Which in turn, I turn around and say, yes, I did. And I repeat to her what she said. But I get a few words wrong. And she knows you are not listening to me. I said, I heard you, I hear what you say, but am I listening? No. Sorry, gentlemen. How many guys can relate to that? Put your hand up. How many wives go, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he hears me, but he doesn't listen. He doesn't listen to a thing. Let me tell you one thing I've found that women, I'll tell you what women really find romantic. How many of you are waiting to hear this truth? You're all going, wow, what is it? What's the secret? One of the things 
that women really find romantic is when their husbands listen to them intently, when they hear their heart. That, when I, you know, when, when my wife, when I connect with my wife, man, she thinks I'm just Romeo. Oh, just <laughs> unbelievable. She just melts. The truth is, is that the people that are really your friends, that are your, the ones that you have really deep relationship with, are the people that listen to you, that connect with you. Do you know, I have three friends of mine, and I believe this is a great principle. You know, if you, they say it's that you don't have a lot of deep friendships. They say if you can have two or three deep friendships, you're a blessed person. But there's two or three of my friends. The reason that they're really good friends of mine is that when I talk to them, they don't just hear me, they listen. What makes a great counsellor is not someone who just hears you but listens to you. The reason that counsellors go through training is one of the things that they learn is they don't learn just to hear you, just the noise that you're coming out of your mouth. They listen beyond what they hear. The scripture says in Psalm 42 verse 7, it says, deep calls to deep. I thank God that God just doesn't hear us, but he listens to us. He actually hears the very cry and the very depths of our heart. My son, I have three children, and my middle boy, when he was about one and a half years old, he had a fascination of uh, switching our TV on and off. Uh, We didn't have remote controls in those days. That's how old I am. And uh, so he would love, he had this fascination that he would switch the TV on and off, on and off, on and off. Now, how many of you know you could blow a tube like that? So we smacked his little hand and we told him to stop and we found out years later that David, you know, he, he, he just had tough, he was a tough cookie. He, smacking him just didn't work. If you put him on time out, that's where he really felt he was missing out. But smacking him didn't work and, and so here he was and he knew that what he was doing was wrong and one day we catch him with his teddy bear, Eddie, Edward, He'd grabbed the teddy bear's paw and he was switching the the television on and off. And he caught us at the side of his eye and he started smacking the teddy bear's paw. Naughty teddy. How many of you know that he heard us but he wasn't listening? I think we do that with God. I think we hear God. Sometimes his voice is just like noise. It's just another noise, just another voice. It's it's when you become a Christian that you enter into a relationship with him. And you realise that to have a true, intimate relationship with anybody, let alone God, it's not just about hearing, it's about listening to them. So here's this man called Blind Bartimaeus. What I love about Jesus is that he always found himself in crowds. And there's a crowd here today. But he always found himself in crowds, but he always listened to to an individual's heart. 
He had this incredible ability, and I know he was the son of God, full of the Holy Spirit, and I know he was sensitive to so many different situations, and he could walk through a crowd, and he just wouldn't hear the crowd, but he was listening. For that one individual that had a need, that needed someone to actually listen to them. And here's this man, blind Bartimaeus, and I've told you the story And I might not just read the scripture because I've told you the story. He was blind from birth and here he is and everybody knew him. Everybody had got used to him. Everybody had got used to his situation. Isn't it funny how we become familiar with people? It's one of the dangers, I think, that when you live in a community, you can get familiar and you can actually, you, you, you people turn... From hearing them, you, you, you'd stop listening to them because you get used to their, their personality and sometimes their problem. And this community had got used to his problem. So this is what it says, and they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, that's interesting, Jesus was going through the city, not one person Imagine if Jesus was here physically today, was walking through our church. No, not one person actually put any claim on him. And here's Bartimaeus. He was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to shut up, be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Can I tell you this? They, all they did was hear a noise. They just heard a noise. But Jesus stopped. Jesus didn't just hear him. He listened to the cry of his heart. Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called to the blind man and said, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? What a strange question. What a strange question. You could see he was blind, but Jesus didn't just want to hear. He he was listening to the very heartbeat of this man. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I just wonder how many times we're in a crowd. I just wonder, as a church and people that follow Christ, I wonder if we sometimes just hear people but don't actually listen to them. This is what I have found. People who are in need make a lot of noise. Have you ever found that? Have you ever found that people that actually have a need in their life make a lot of noise? Actually, we we start to go, oh gosh, they're a problem. We start to avoid them because all we do is hear them. But if you would stop just a minute, and today let me just say that when I preach this, I'm preaching to myself. Because I live in crowds, just like you do. And it's easy just to walk through a crowd and just hear a, hear a person but never actually listen to them. And this is what I've noticed, like I said before, people that have a need, sometimes people that are in pain actually make a lot of noise. And if you listen carefully, 
You will hear beyond the noise, you'll hear their heart. I've also noticed that people in pain want to be listened to and not just heard. I've sat down with people and when I've really listened, something has happened because I've listened to their heart and has unlocked, it has helped me to unlock and help them in a way that I wouldn't have helped them if I just heard them. Because, boy, you can just hear or you can listen. Do you know people in pain and that are in a need start to heal when somebody listens to them? I'm amazed how many people sometimes through different situations that I have spoken to, the moment that I, they, I connect with the need and I really listen to their heart, the fact that they can unburden themselves and the fact that they know somebody actually genuinely will listen to me, somebody actually will help me, somebody will, will allow me to cast my burden and they'll help me carry it, they start to heal. Let us be a community that just doesn't hear but listens. How many of you think that's a challenge? I think it's a huge challenge. Here's the second question I want to ask you today. I'm not going to go long. Do you look or do you see? It's funny how sometimes we look but we don't actually see. Last Christmas... Uh, we were looking for our Christmas tree. And I sent one of our staff, a male member, I'm not going to mention his name, we sent him looking for the Christmas tree. We were in the NMIT building and um, we're in the NMIT building, it was December, we Two of the girls that did our day call were saying, where's the Christmas tree? And I sent this staff member looking for this Christmas tree. He came back with this report. I have looked everywhere. I have looked everywhere. and, And so I said to him, but did you look in the kitchen? Yeah, I looked in the kitchen. Did you look upstairs in the children's room? Pastor Nick, I... It was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. I looked. I was just so thorough. I was going, man, how do you lose a Christmas tree? Are you sure you looked? I looked. I'll have another look. Comes back, I've looked everywhere. I have literally looked everywhere. So then I said, look, we better get the two girls. Let's get these girls. Let's get them to go and buy a new tree. And they said, look, let's just have another look. Five minutes later, they came back and said, we found the Christmas tree. Now, I'm not going to divulge who that person is. But he sits at the front, on the front row. And that's just one of the stories that we've sent him looking. We sent him looking for the barbecue last time. We couldn't find that either. We nearly had to go and find the barbecue. He sent out all these texts going, hey, who's got the barbecue? Who's got the barbecue? I'm not going to tell you where we found that. But... Five minutes later, these girls came back with this glint in their eye and they said, we found the Christmas tree. 
Why is that? Because somebody looked, but somebody saw. And I think it might be a reality. I think ladies see a little bit better than men. Maybe they listen a little bit better. Sorry, gentlemen. Why is that? Why is it that sometimes we actually can look, but we don't see? Jesus had this incredible ability that when he was in a crowd, he was able to not just look, he was able to see. I'm just wondering, can we put up a few of these slides? Can, have a look at this picture. Can you see the two candlesticks or the one? But can you see the two faces? Who can see the faces? Put your hand up. All the women. Yep, yep, I got that. Who can see the candlestick? Who can't see a thing and go, I can't see anything? Yeah. Yeah. By his own confession, we now don't send him looking for anything. All right, let's go to the next slide. Can you see the old lady? And can you see the young lady? Who sees the old lady? Who can see the young lady? Joe's just got, oh yeah, yeah, I can see it, I can see it. (laughs) This is not a test, people. It's not a test. Can you see the young lady? There's a few people going, look, if you look carefully, it's just over there. Can you see the figure there? Let's look at another one. Who can see the duck? And who can see the rabbit? Right, duck, put your hand up. Rabbit, put your hand up. Who has not seen anything at all this morning? There he is. (laughs) We love him. Why is that? Geordie's still trying to work it out. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, man, what hope have I got? As a, as a pastor, this is the guys that are on my staff. That's really, man, alive. I need help. We are putting more staff on, and thank God they're ladies. That's all I'm saying. Thank you, Jackie. You're coming on soon. So why is it that we see certain things and we don't see others? I, I, think, it's, I think what we see is determined by what we focus on. I think what you see and what I see is what I'm focused on. If I'm focused on myself, then that's my worldview. It's a pretty small worldview. But the moment I change my focus and I focus on others, my worldview totally changes. People that are focused on themselves have a very selfish and very introverted perspective on life. They get offended very easily and they get hurt very easily. And the thing is, I'd like to say that that doesn't happen in church life, but it does. And we can be just as small-minded if our focus is just on ourselves. But people that are focused on others... They live in a rich and a big world. It's hard to offend them because it's not about them. Joseph, who Pastor Charles spoke about last week, was a man who constantly thought about the purposes of God 
didn't concentrate on the trials he was going through, but allowed himself to be positioned for the sake of saving nations. Is as a church, if we are focused on ourselves, we will stay inside these four walls. It'll become about our own ministry and our own function instead of the bigger picture of what God's got for us. Zacchaeus, in Luke chapter 19, we read about the story of a man called Zacchaeus. He was a short man, he was a tax collector. The Jews thought he was a traitor because he was one of their own and yet he collected taxes for the Romans. But something was happening in his heart, began to see that, you know what, what I'm doing is not just wrong, but my world is all about me. And one day he heard about Jesus and he decides to climb a tree because he wants to see him. Jesus, again, is in a crowd. This is what it says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not. I want to tell you something. When you want to see something, you will do everything you can to to get to that place. He wasn't just looking. He just didn't hear about Jesus. He had listened to what had been said. Something was transforming his heart. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, and I've preached on this before, he he stopped and he looked up. Now, my question today is this. I wonder why he was the only one in the crowd who saw Zacchaeus. Surely... I mean, I know that sycamore fig trees have, you know, large leaves, but Jesus saw him where the crowd didn't. And sometimes, friends, what happens in life is that you can be walking through the crowd, you can be walking even in your family. This this begins at home. Being aware of others begins at home. Not just in your community, not just in your church, But why is it that these people hadn't seen him? I think if they'd seen him, most probably some of them would have thrown rocks at him, made me ridicule him. But they didn't because they were so self-focused on their own personal need. And Jesus stops and he sees him. Sometimes lost people put themselves in the craziest situations and circumstances hoping that someone will see them. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that people that have got a need will do the craziest things hoping that someone will actually see them and pay attention to them? The people that we think are rebellious or the people that we think have got major problems, sometimes they do crazy things. They put themselves in crazy situations hoping that someone will find them and rescue them. Lost people are looking for people that don't just look, but people that will see them. I'm going to finish in a few minutes. How many of you feel really encouraged this morning? Put your hand up if you feel encouraged. How many feel a bit challenged this morning? Husbands, 
At lunchtime today, your wives are going to start to talk to you. The test will begin. Your kids don't want you just to look at them. They want you to see them. Your spouse doesn't want you just to... They don't want you just to hear them. They want you to listen to them. Here's some questions for us. Here's some things that I think we can do practically. Starts with us. Being aware of others will only happen when your heart is for others. So where's your heart? Where's the focus of your heart today? Is it on yourself? Is it on your situation? Is it on your circumstances? Or is it on others? In my experience that whenever I've gone through a trial, the moment I introvert that trial and I make it all about me, I implode. My problems get worse. But the moment I put my heart and my focus on other people, something begins to change within me. Here's the second thing. Being aware of others starts when you make, a, when you make genuine time and effort to think of others. What is their world like? You have to get on their level. You know, our children's pastor, her name is Marie, and one day I saw her talking to this little child in our church. She got down on her knees and like this, and she started talking to that child. And I was so impressed because I thought, wow, look at her. By doing that action, she got down in her world, in this child's world. I went up to her and asked her. She said, you know, it's actually something we're taught that you should never really, you know, try to be overbearing on a child, but rather get down into their world. I loved that. Because she just didn't create a culture. She's not creating a culture up there. She just looks at kids. She sees them. She sees them. These two little girls that got dedicated today, there's three of them actually in the family. Do you know it's our responsibility as a community to help them grow? in a healthy community. It's not just their parents and their family, but you know what? I'd love to create a culture in our church where all of us are part of championing their growth. And if we could do that, something begins to, to ooze out of this building. It's called the love of God. Being aware of other starts in the smallest and most practical ways. This is not a boast of what our church does, but this morning the two little girls got given a Bible from our church. But the thing I love about it is the card that was made for them. Each little girl got a card made. It was handmade. It was crafted by someone in our church who went beyond. You see, we could have gone and bought a card. But someone in our church has a heart to go beyond that and said, can I do something a bit more special? Because we can hear or we can listen. We can look or we can see. 
I'm going to close this with this one story. When I was a little boy, and I've, I have actually uh, told our church this story. Some of you might not have been here. I think it was years ago. But, you know, my, my dad worked at Holden's, GMH Holden's. Uh, I, I was shocked. My, my poor dad, uh, for years, for 25 years, worked in a factory. Uh, I never appreciated my father until one day I went to his work. And, um, man... You know, he, he, I went to see him and, and uh, he, he met me at the factory door and I was able to have a bit of a tour with him and I, and all of a sudden the noise, I just couldn't get over the noise. The, the poor man, he, he was an arc welder, he, he, he welded petrol tanks and all day he was in overalls with a, with a welding shield and with, with headphones, not headphones, ear, ear, earmuffs, not headphones, could you imagine? These days, they most probably have them. And um, he was so proud of his position, and it changed my whole perspective of my father. But every Christmas, uh, they used to have the GMH Christmas, you know, party. And you'd put your child's name down, and, you know, at a particular time in the party, Father Christmas would come, and every kid would get to sit on the lap. I think they had a few Father Christmases at different stations because it was so big. And every kid got these huge presents. My father, he, he gave, he contributed, I think it was 20 cents, uh, you know, every couple of weeks to, so he could, you know, I'd get a gift. And he really hammed it up. He said, you know, look, you know, we're going to go, we're going to have this party, we're going with uncles and aunties, and we're going to have a great time. And you're going to get this great, great gift. I was hanging out, man, I was just, I think I was about six years old. I so wanted this gift. Anyway, the time comes, we're sitting around, Father Christmas comes. I didn't really care about Father Christmas. I didn't really care about sitting on his lap. I just wanted the gift. And kids were getting huge gifts, huge boxes, and they'd rip them over. And then my, my time came and he, you know, he you know, sat on his lap. I don't know what questions he asked me. I, 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 I wasn't listening. I heard him, but I didn't listen. I didn't really care. Just give me the gift. By the way, my love language is gifts. Birthday is on August the 13th. (laughs) Nothing under $20, please. And don't buy me brown socks. Anyway, so I got down. My cousin had got this huge doll. She wasn't much older than me. And she was wrapped. I ripped open. I tore the paper off. It was a huge box. And I took the lid off and I saw this red cape. Who knows where I'm going with this? I saw this red cape. My first thought that it was a Superman outfit. I started imagining myself diving off high buildings. I was the man. And as I picked up the cape, I was a little bit perplexed because it didn't have an S on it. I thought maybe there's a sticker we have to put on it. Then I saw some white garments and I saw this funny cap. And before I knew it, the worst horror of horrors happened. I found out it wasn't a Superman's outfit. It was a nurse's outfit. I was crushed. I was perplexed. Everybody started laughing, including my father. He got the cap, put it on my head. He put it on his head. I wasn't Superman. I was super nurse. I was crushed. Now, as a little kid, let me tell you, those things, they remain with you. They stick with you. And you know what? 
now that I look back and I'm an adult, it was funny. I was laughing and I was thinking to myself, do you know what this is? I can think now it was funny and I most probably would have laughed at my own kids. But there was one person in our group, in our family, he didn't just look, he saw. There's one person in our family, he didn't just hear, he listened. It was my uncle. The reason I'd got a nurse's outfit was because my dad, see my name is Nicholas or Nick in English, but in Italian it's Nicola. So he'd put my name down and they thought I was a, I was a girl. That in itself was a huge insult. When my wife gets angry at me, she calls me Nicola. My uncle, Uncle Nick, because in our family you call everybody after your grandfather. So there's Nick, 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 and Nick off. You know what I mean? That's how it happens around lunchtime. You know what I mean? We've got five Nicks and one of them we just say Nick off. But see, my uncle, he didn't just hear, he listened to my heart. Because listening to someone's heart, sometimes there doesn't even have to be a spoken word. He saw something in my eyes because he didn't just, see, he didn't just look, he saw. You know, he came up to me and he hugged me and he said, don't worry, because straight after this, I'm going to take you to the toy shop. And he took me to the toy shop and he bought me. And, you know, he was not a wealthy man. He bought me this truck with a trailer. It was my favorite toy. Do you know why it was my favorite toy? Because he touched my heart. Uncle Nick was my favorite uncle. Because he always had time. He always was able to stop in the moment and listen and see. You know, Jesus is like that. Today, we've got a crowd here. Today, he sees your heart and he hears your heart. You know, in our church, lately we've been trying to be very practical and I've just been telling our church just to look up and down their row. Can you do that again today? Can you just look at who's sitting in your row? Just have a look. Who's sitting in a good-looking row? Put your hand up. Who's sitting next to someone that is absolutely stunning? They are stunners. Who's sitting in a row where they don't know everybody? Put your hand up. I've been challenging our church. I've been saying, what would happen if we come to church and we pastor each other, we care for each other? It starts in such a practical way. Do you know the people in your row? Today, we've got some extra food for our visitors. So church, gentlemen, please make sure that by the time they get there, there's not an empty table. Actually, why don't we start and practice what we're talking about, the listening and the hearing, and maybe why don't you host somebody today? Why don't you come out of your comfort zone, your little world, and maybe 
connect with someone that you've never connected with, I just wonder what would happen to your world. This week, there are great opportunities. Every time you go shopping, every time you go into a cafe, there's someone there that needs to be listened to. There's someone there that needs to be seen. That is the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand to your feet? Just wonder this morning if you feel comfortable just to put your hands out in front of you like you're going to receive something. I don't know whether... I don't know whether you've made a declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know if, if you've never been to church before. God does not discriminate. God doesn't assess us by our attendance. God always looks at the heart. I just want to pray for us today. Father, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't just hear our cry, but you listened to our cry. So many of us were lost. So many of us were in pits, in holes, in dark, dark situations. And your word says that you heard, you listened to our cry, and you sent your son to pull us out of those dark, dark vacuums. And place us on safe ground. I thank you, God, that your word says that you don't just, you don't just, Lord, look at us, but you see us. Actually, your word says that you know the very hairs, the number of hairs that is on our head. You are so passionate about us. You see every detail. You know everything in our heart. You know everything we're going through. I pray today that you will help us as a church community to have the same heart, the same spirit. Help us to listen and help us to see. Help us to bring hope. Help us to bring an answer to people that are lost. We thank you today, Lord, and we bless you. We thank you for the blessings on our life. I pray, God, that we will share those things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Folks, thank you for coming today. I really do pray that you have a great day. These are practical lessons and it starts right now. This is what I say to, we've just had church, but actually church starts right now. So to our visitors and our guests, we want to give you a warm welcome and uh, pray that you have a great time in the cafe and I'll make sure that our people take good care of you. Fantastic. Have a great day. God bless you. Take someone out to lunch and enjoy life.